most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. Welcome to episode 188 of Keeping Up With The Joneses, where this week we are talking about how God is both fast and slow. What's with the husky sexy voice? I think it's allergies. Uh, Either that or I have some sort of low-level cold, but... I went to the doctor just to make sure it wasn't something else, and he swabbed me, and I gagged. And then um, he came back, and he said, well, I don't see anything wrong with you. Your ears are fine. You're clean, you know. And he looked at my nose, and he said, no, I do see that there's drainage. I said, I can confirm the drainage. He said, that's what I think is going on. Poor baby. So you don't, you don't have strep or flu? No. You just sound... No fever, no nothing. So he said, it's most likely allergies or some sort of low-level cold. Whatever or that is. you've taken up smoking and you haven't told anybody. Well, I actually have a confession to make. Mm-hmm, I knew it. It's cigars. All right, babe, let's do a weekly catch-up. There's only one thing I want to mention this week that's worthy of including in our weekly recap. Is it the lovely meal I made for you? It, it is not, though. That is a close second. <laughs> oh, thank you, darling. It is the fact that I am Lord of Hyrule. Um, after over 245 hours. I don't, I don't, I think the switch stops counting after 245 hours. Oh. Let's all be thankful. (laughs) Because it said that last week. But, uh, you know, over 245 hours later, I have finally completed the game. Let's imagine what else we could have done with 245 hours. (laughs) I'd like to point out that there's a difference between finishing a game and completing a game. Okay, what's the difference? Well, finishing the game is like finishing the story. It's, It's what you're supposed to do. But completing it... Is what I want to do. Completing is where you go through every single puzzle that could possibly be there, whether you're rewarded for it or not. You're such a good doer. I am a great doer. Yes. And this game was so beautiful, so rich, so enormous, so compelling, and really had like multiple games in one. Yes. So there was a fighting side to it. There was like, you know, a logic and reasoning side to it. There's like a puzzle side to it. There's a hide and seek side to it. There's a long meandering journey side to it. You get to cook. You do get to cook. Mm-hmm. Although you always point out I have no food. You never have food. I don't need it. Well, because you have all this armor, but then the kids think that they don't need it because you won't make food and they don't have the armor. And then they're like, I don't understand why I keep dying. I'm like, because you have no food. And they're learning a valuable life lesson. Okay. It's parenting win via okay. Zelda. Sure. So I finished the game, I don't know, months ago, didn't I? Months ago? Well, maybe weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I finished it, but in terms of completing it, I only completed it last night. Yes. And I was all excited because I think Friday night, Saturday morning, yeah, Friday night, I thought I'd completed it. I had All I had to do left was the compendium, which where you take a photo of every single thing, and collect these 900 Korok seeds, which are little, literally little, you're playing hide and seek 900 times. And sometimes you're just literally finding something stuck in a tree. Sometimes you're practicing your archery skills. Sometimes there's like puzzles you need to solve. They're all very, very simple, but there's 900 of them. And so I was very excited. And I called the whole family and we collected the last Korok seed. We were super excited. In fact, you got MJ out of bed to <laughs> see the last Korok seed be collected. And then I realized I only had 899. Yes. And <laughs> didn't know where the 900th was. Yes. I but miscounted. The genius child. Yeah. Abigail. I don't want to go into the details of how, because it's not going to be, it's going to be even less interesting than this particular segment <laughs> is to nobody who's ever seen, <laughs> seen Zelda. But Abigail sussed out where I more than likely had not picked up 
the the last Korok seed, found it, and was thrilled, and then heartbroken because I thought I was going to have a hundred percent, but I had something like ninety nine point four five percent. Right. Because in addition to doing one hundred and twenty shrines and killing all the bosses and all the sub bosses. And collecting all 900 Korok seeds, you also had to visit every area on the map and activate that location. So we did the math and realized I was short five places. Yeah. And God bless you, you sat by my side and we went through my encyclopedia and marked off what I had visited. I helped you find them. And suffice to say, I'm now 100%. I can retire with glory. Yeah, I'm not really motivated to, uh, to do that, I think. Babe, there's 100% completionists, and then there's slackers. Well, here's the thing. I only have like 157 of the 900 Korok seeds so far. At one point, I too was 157 Korok seeder. I know, but I feel like I've already spent, I don't know how many hours on this game. At some point, I have to just let it go, let it go. (laughs) Somebody asked me, what are you going to do now that you finish Zelda? I was like, I've got this great new game called Filing My Taxes. And the beauty of that game is it comes with a deadline. It does. And you also have the new game of finishing the Finding Father videos. <laughs> My friend Will, who's also playing Zelda, and I've been texting him you know, back and forth. And I said, you know, Will, I've, I finished and celebrate with me. And he's like, that's amazing. Now you're going to get around to finishing the <laughs> Finding Father videos. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm unsubscribing from all text messages with you. <laughs> The people are waiting. The mm-hmm. people are waiting. Um, anything else noteworthy happened this week? I don't think there was. It was just Zelda drinking from the keg of glory. Um, well, for other people, there was a tornado warning on Monday that we closed Emanate for, and it was so uneventful we didn't even see rain. Well, now here's the thing. Nashville has some pretty peculiar weather patterns. Yes. And rather than us try and forecast and work out what we're going to do every time we have a service. Uh, Earlier this year, we decided we are just going to follow the closing patterns of Williamson County schools. The the county that we live in is Williamson County. And so we realized the schools have got way more at stake than we do as a church. You know, there's multiple schools and they listen to weather experts. And so they make a call. And just for simplicity's sake, because it is difficult to get the message out to every single person, we just tell everybody, do whatever Williamson County does. Now, there are times when we think, ah, it's probably not going to happen. I think we'd be okay. But because we're not trying to sow confusion, we've just made a rule that if Williamson County schools cancel, then we cancel. And yes. it just becomes way simpler because we can just train all our congregants, pay attention to Williamson County schools because it's on TV, it's on Twitter, etc., etc., etc. So even on events like Monday when the schools were dismissed at 11.30 a.m. and we had to come home and pick up our kids... There is a chance they could have been crazy. I think, actually, some of the praying women in our church sent the you know the tornado away from us. That's what I think, too. They were on their back porch just praying in the name of Jesus. Declaring a thing. But that was excitement momentarily. We yes. haven't had to hide in our storm shelter. This house actually has one. Yes. Well, we don't have a storm shelter, but we have a basement. Well, excuse me. I'm sorry. We have a room that's about the size of a bowling alley that three sides of it is underground with poured concrete. That's and true. I don't just mean... You know, it's below ground level. I mean, it's literally underground. Yes, that's true. With like, I don't know, 10 feet of poured concrete on every side. That's a storm shelter. We would be substantially safe. Yeah. Yes. So, well, thankfully we haven't needed to use it, but 
the kids are always excited that we're going to go down there. The kids are on March break this week. Yeah. And my grandma, no. Mm-mm. My mother, not my grandmother. If your grandmother was here, I'd be freaked out. That'd be shocking since she went home to water. be with Jesus a number of years ago. <laughs> uh, my mother has come to be with the kids for a few weeks. Your 82-year-old mother. Yes. Who drove from Toronto. Yes. Who had a hip replacement surgery the tail end of last summer. Yes. She's amazing. I know. Yeah, she drove it in two days, seven hours, one day, seven hours the next. Seven hours? Are, seven, you, are you from Ireland? Seven hours. Are you on cough syrup? I am actually. I'm like trying to do something. Uh, so your mother got here. Our students are still on iReach all over the world. Hello, students. If you happen to be listening, we miss you. We love reading your reports on the blog and following on social media. Tuesday night after the tornado that didn't happen, we had... All of the students who were not on outreach over to our house for dinner. We did, and it was really fun. How many pounds of meat do you think I barbecued? Uh, probably six or eight. The, the the barbecuing was easy. The cutting up was hard. It was. Yeah, we need a machine, that a laser cutter. <laughs> you know, we need a robot that cuts meat. We have mm. one that does our floors. Now we just need a robot that cuts meat. <laughs> I'm on it. Well, you know when you go to the supermarket and you get like a loaf of bread and they just drop it in that kind of... Loaf slicer. Bread cutter? Yeah, there must be something like that for meat. Um, Internet, well, help a, me out. There's electric knives. Is that is that what you mean? Nah, you still have to hold it and it takes, it takes well, a long time. No, it's fast. Electric knives are pretty good. All right, well, we'll get an electric knife. Would a hedge trimmer work? Uh, wow. I want to go back to the laser idea. I think the laser idea could work. You're not buying it? No, podcast people help me out here. Talk to me about this morning service. It was amazing. We had these two guys uh, come in. They had written a book and they were doing a bit of a tour. And they are the the one guy is a former corrupt cop uh, who framed a young black man and sent him to prison for ten years. And it's those two guys are now both living for Jesus, completely reconciled. They're friends, and it's the telling of their story and the power of forgiveness. It was amazing. It was incredible to so listen. Good. Yeah, it 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 was jaw-dropping at times listening to their story. I'll put a link in the show, and I highly recommend you watch it. If you guys need a, a boost of... It's all storytelling, and it's incredible, and it will do wonders for your faith. And it's just so timely for our nation, I think, to hear a story of racial reconciliation with Jesus right in the middle of it. And uh, I loved it. I bought their book. Yeah, I also thought it was really encouraging in that both of these boys their moms had prayed for them you know when they were little and they'd both given their lives to the lord and both of them had totally walked in the opposite direction and so it's just even for people that are praying for their kids that they're like i don't understand i sowed the gospel into them and now look at what their lives look like i just i felt like there was so much hope on it Mm, yeah there's there's so much takeaway i think anybody in any situation could be uplifted by listening to them. Yeah. So, link in the show notes for you. Yeah. Our main topic this week is this whole notion about when God is fast and when God is slow. Yes. Which is funny because I'm pretty sure he's always on time. What's that Grace saying? God's never late, but he sure misses a few opportunities to be early. Yeah. It sure feels like that, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about like <laughs> Revelation 22 verse 12. Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Yeah, it's kind of like, by uh, whose definition is quickly? 
Right? Or Second Peter 3.8, where it says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. And I was just thinking about when you... Like so, we're we're public speakers. So what we do for a living is we speak in public yes. about our faith. Yeah. And the danger when people listen to us is they are listening to us tell the highlights of maybe the last twenty or thirty years. And there's a danger they come away thinking your life must be like your stories all of the time. Yes. And I'm like, no, 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 not at all. I I learned that from the the people who I now know as friends, but I grew up reading their books and thinking, wow, like, you know, your life must have been like this constantly. I'm like, oh, no, you have a totally normal life, just like me and everybody else. Same kind of challenges, same kinds of need for patience, right. all that kind of stuff. But it's been punctuated with events with the Lord. And yeah. that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. I th- There's two words for time in Scripture, which I don't really want to go into, the chronos and the kairos. The chronos being just the normal, everyday passage of time, and the kairos is kind of when God interrupts and, and sends everything um, in, a, in a new direction or with new zeal or with new passion on it. And I'm 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 thinking, like, I remember when I met you and I was asking you, how did you get into full-time ministry? Because when I met you, you were the darling of of this church in revival. You were this daughter of the house. In fact, I met you a year before I ever met you. I came out to Toronto mm-hmm. to one of the conferences. You were speaking at the conference. I went to your workshop. I didn't know you. We'd never met. I didn't say hello to you. I mean, I just was a person at a conference listening to you teach. And you were amazing. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, how do you become like this amazing anointed person? And uh, you know, I'm I'm listening to you speak at the end of one season. But I remember asking you, once I got to know you, and I think even before we were dating, I was asking, you know, how did you get into ministry? And you were telling that story of all the people who prophesied. Tell, tell everybody that story. Well, I, I got a whole bunch of prophetic words in 94 about traveling the world and speaking and stuff. And in 94, you were in no shape to be doing anything. Is that right? Well, you know, emotionally, no. Uh, right. And... Uh, even mental, I, I didn't, I didn't really like speaking to people. So, you know, I mean, I was getting these words thinking, y'all are crazy. Like, I don't, I don't like travel. I don't like speaking to groups of people. And I, I don't want to do that. And what were you doing? Like, speaking of life, what were you doing for a job back in those days? I was waiting tables. Uh, so you were just, you, your life looked like getting up, waiting tables mm-hmm. and coming home. Uh, it looked like getting up, waiting tables, and then coming to church because we were in revival, so everybody was at church at night. Right. Um, so that's what we were doing. And and in my mind, I was going to go back to university. I'd done YWAM, just finished YWAM. I was going to go back to university. I was going to finish my degree, and I was going to be a lawyer because I wanted to argue. Okay. I wanted so, to get paid to argue. So you have a normal, normal life. Yeah. And you're getting all these prophetic words. All these prophetic words about ministering the gospel and the Lord using my testimony to heal others and that, you know, I'd be traveling all over the world. And I just remember thinking, I don't know how all of these major prophets are all missing it. And how many words do you think you got over what period of time? Well, I got five that first year, all from like recognized prophets from the stage calling me out of a crowd. So five different people, five different times, all within a 12 month period. Yeah. And it wasn't like I was wearing red or fluorescent pink and hoping for a prophetic word. I would like purposely wear beige and try and blend in. And were you asking the Lord for any words or any direction for your life? I, I wasn't. Right. I really wasn't. Uh, I mean, all that, uh, all those words to me were like, oh, I can't even imagine how you could do that, God, because you'd have to totally change my heart. 
And how long between getting those words and your first international trip? Uh, I went with a couple teams, different places, but the first time I was traveling, me as the speaker was about eight years later. So that's what I mean, like fast God, slow God. Yeah. Because for eight years, you're waiting tables. Mm-hmm. Your life looks nothing like your prophetic words. Mm-hmm. There's no indication any of those words are going to come to pass. And at, at least to begin with, your your will isn't even in line with that. You're just thinking, man, they just missed it. They're all smoking the same drugs. Isn't that what you said to John? Yeah. And he just laughed and went, oh, AJ. And oh. then, then moving in a ministry, like, can you remember a time when the early part of those prophetic words began coming to pass? Yeah, I mean, I, I did sort of my first youth conference thing outside of speaking at, in Toronto, because uh, I'd speak to the youth every once in a while, in, uh, I think, 96 or 97. So that, you know, that was about three years after the prophetic words. And but it looked nothing like the prophetic words. No. You're not I mean, in the nations. No. And... I mean, I'm, I was in Flint, Michigan, so I suppose I was in the nations. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it was sort of like... Okay, you know, and and honestly, I felt uh, awkward, and I would get so nervous, I would throw up before I spoke, and you know, it was it just didn't look what it didn't look like what I thought those words meant. And then, what about when you were? Do you remember a time when you were thinking, "I'm doing what those words said"? Yeah, I mean, I uh, for for a long season there, five or six years, I or maybe three or four years. I worked in restaurants and then I got offered this job to work for national car rental. And again, that didn't look anything like what the words said, but that was an open door and it seemed like there was favor on it. So I walked through that, but I remember meeting with the president and the vice president the the day they interviewed me. And I said, I really believe in five years, I'm going to be in full-time ministry, but I'll give you 120% while I'm here. And they said, yeah, we'll take it. And, um, the, just before I ended up leaving national, uh, I started getting, you know, a couple more invitations to go and try it and started feeling a little bit more like life. Uh, but it wasn't really till I stepped out. Because didn't nine eleven happen? And then, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks later, you got laid I lost, off. I lost my job the next day. Oh, you did? Uh, because the company lost how much? $17 million in one day. And they it, just started doing layoffs? Yep. Yeah, it's a rental company. So it, it's based on airports and all airports shut down. And in one day they lost $17 million. And so um, I was middle management. I wasn't on the ground management anymore. I was in the middle. And I was the first one to get let go. And they actually gave me 10 weeks severance. Uh, and I was about to quit. So it was like I had already wow. lined everything up because I felt like the Lord said, in the fall, you're to go into full-time ministry. When did he say that? Uh, in January. So you're talking like... Seven years, you got those words the first year, and presumably you got like a little sprinkling every now and then for yeah, seven and I years. Yeah, I had a dream uh, the January following all those words where I was speaking at the Sky Dome and uh, just giving my testimony and telling people about the love of God. And see, but people meet you today and see you're in full-time ministry and just think, I, I don't know, we all think crazy things. We just think, well, you know, you're fulfilling your calling, I'm not. I wish somebody would wave a magic wand over me and I could be in my destiny. Right. And you're like, your destiny is slowly carved out of stone yeah. using time. Yeah. Like you head towards your prophetic words and... uh time and opposition and patience and 
uh, endurance and wisdom and servitude and long suffering and you know all this sort of stuff yeah. carves out what your destiny looks like. Yeah, and most people only see the end result and just think, oh. There was so many little yeses in there. There was yes to leading a small group and leading to teach there. There was yes to writing 30 sermons, even though I never knew if I'd use any of them. There you was, wrote 30 sermons before you were ever a, on the road? Yeah, I had a binder with 30 sermons in it. Just I was like, Lord, if this is what you're calling me to, then I'm going to prepare in that direction. You know, it was it was a whole bunch of little yeses. It was, hey, could you come speak to the youth? And not being like, ugh, youth, but being like, yes. You know, I'm going to say yes, God, when you ask me to do something. And then you being launched, I would imagine that happened quickly. Uh, it, it did. I mean, quickly, yes. Uh, the Lord on the, in the, gen, in the Lord in January had, I uh, was fasting and, and he had said, uh, this is the year you, you go into full-time ministry in the fall and what was funny at that point is I was no longer longing to be in full-time ministry. I was like, I like my job. I like my car. I had a free car, free gas, free insurance, you know. I was like, oh, I'm good, God, you know. And um, I felt like the Lord said, I'm going to confirm it three times. And I had three different recognized prophets come up to me and give me the exact same word about stepping off of a cliff and the rocks coming up to meet my feet. And so by the time the third one happened, I thought, all right, I'll meet with Fred. I'll meet with John. I'll tell them this is what I feel like the Lord is saying. And surely one of them will have the good sense to shut me down and to say, you're right. not ready. And met with both of them. And, you know, Fred was like, this is amazing. I'm going to write a letter to all the partners in Harvest Churches. And I was like, wait, what? And I thought, okay, well, John, I'll stop this. That was the network of churches that, yeah. that Toronto was uh, affiliated with. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, because it was scary. I was about to just have no, no. Um, income. You know, no income, no right. support, no nothing, you know. And uh, so I met with John and he was like, yes, AJ. And, and he said, you know, in a year and a half, you're going to be turning down invitations. You're going to be booked, you know, kind of thing. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, you're an optimist. Sure. You know, and um, and then 9-11 and I was praying about, Lord, when, when's the right timing? You know, it feels I don't want to quit, but it's funny. We're coming up on five years uh, at the place. And, and I was like, oh, you know. I don't know what the right timing is. And then when they let me go, they actually paid me through the end of the year to be in ministry because mm -hmm. they paid out to the end of the year. And and I was actually the only management that got that. Within two weeks, they let off 30 more managers and they all got 10 days severance. I got 10 weeks. So. But when you, when, you know, speaking to John and speaking to Fred and them saying, we think this is a great idea. A couple of weeks later, you're at a conference and boom, you're, you're launched into international ministry. Yeah. Boom. That's what I mean. Slow, fast, and people could be at the conference going, "I don't, I, I don't know if people think like this, but like, well, you know, why is she getting, you know, released? Why is she getting promoted? Why, why is she up there being advertised at this conference?" Yeah, and no, know. nobody sees the eight years before. They eight just... years of being a youth leader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just you know, just any place where I could say yes because John asked me to, I would say yes. Right. You know, any place because there was a need at the church, I would say yes. I think um, I think about the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins when I think about the fast God, slow God thing. Yeah. You know, so they're all there for a purpose to meet the bridegroom, mm. but he's taken a long time. Yeah. 
And so, you know, five of them stay ready. And the other five are like, eh, you know, it's taking a long time. Is he coming? And they tune out and they yeah. get distracted and they they just kind of opt out. And then suddenly he comes. And I think a lot of life is about preparing for the suddenlies of God. Yeah. That, that slow God, that fast God. I mean, there's all these warnings in Scripture about when Christ returns, of course. But I'm just meaning, you know, you get all these prophetic words and you think, well, when is this going to happen? And you realize, oh... We we don't know. I think about Abraham and Isaac, you know, the the son, just the word and the length of time between the fulfillment. It's astonishing. I, I did a brief Bible survey on this. This is this is my like my quick first pass survey. Twenty-eight times in scripture it uses the phrase in the course of time or sometime later. It's it's the same Hebrew there. So in the course of time or sometime later, indicating, you know, in the passage of time as things move on. Eventually this thing happens. Yeah, twenty eight yeah. times yeah. compared with eighteen times where there's a suddenly with the Lord. Yeah. I think we live our lives for the suddenly and in doing so we miss out in the course of time. Yeah. And I think we do our growing in the course of time, not mm. in the suddenly necessarily. I mean I'm sure we grow through a suddenly but I would say most of the substantial growth is in the course of time. Right. I I think God only hints at the suddenlies and speaks loudly about the course of times. Yeah. Like, I well, remember sure. being a school teacher, mm. and I felt like God hoodwinked me into that. I did not want to be a school teacher. I had no desire to to speak to children or adults of any kind. Mm. You know, I just wanted to lock myself in a server room and be a, a computer Geek. genius. Yeah, that's oh, genius. all I wanted to yes, do was genius. just be, you know, leave me alone, let me solve problems on my own and pay me handsomely for it. Yes. And I'm thinking that's going to be my life and it's going to be great and I'm going to be really good at it. And then the Lord's like, no, I'd like you to be a school teacher. And I'm like, are you, are you serious? And, you know, so I went and did that. I went back to school, became a school teacher and I tell it now, and it's a relatively short period. I was a school teacher for four years. But when I said yes to God, it wasn't a conditional, I'll do it for four years. It was like, all right, I will do it. And then after, you know, one year and two years and three years and in the fourth year, I'm just thinking, Lord, if what you have called me to do is be a teacher, then I will be a teacher. And I thought it was a life sentence. I'm sorry to be so negative to and all the teachers who love it. It wasn't a nice, cushy school, was it? Well, it was. I mean, it was, you know, if you turned right out of the school driveway, it was a really, really wealthy area. If you turned left, it was a really, really um, not so wealthy area. So you had a good mix. There was a rougher schools I could have been in, by all means. But my point was, I didn't want to be a teacher. So I'm doing something I didn't want to do. And, you know, being ground down to the point where I'm like, actually, Lord, if, if this is what I can do for the glory of God, if this is my role in building the kingdom of God on earth, then I say yes to it, and that's what I will do. Yeah. But meantime, in my private devotions with the Lord, he's speaking to me all these prophetic words about my life that look nothing like what I'm doing. And I'm just thinking, am I making this up? Am I? Have I just got a fantastic imagination? Because I'm seeing myself traveling the world. I'm seeing myself speaking. I'm seeing myself teaching people how to you know, heal the sick and how to hear the voice of God. I'm... I'm you know, thinking about prophesying and dreams, and all, it bears no reality to, you know, going to teach first and second year word processing the next day or, you know, a parent-teacher conference. And yet it's the in the course of time that I think the Lord pays close, I think the Lord pays close attention to all. 
But it's that whole thing of who you are when no one's looking. Yeah. Who are you when you're not getting your own way? Who are you when you're j- just doing what is before you? I'm a firm believer in blossoming where you're planted. Like, yeah. make hay while the sun shines. Just. Who are you when your students threaten to throw you out the window? Yeah. Or hang <laughs> me from the rafters by my belt. True story. <laughs> yeah. That's why I thought you were in a rough school. I was like, they did what? They well, I what? did I did have a class where they were like, we've given you the class and we've dubbed it, we'll be in prison before we're 20. <laughs> and there was four, I think there was four boy students in that class. And I would pray in tongues before every time I'd see them. Mm-hmm. I'd see them three times a week. And I'd just be like, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. They terrified me. Um, yeah, I didn't have that in my book of dreams. No. But I, and then all of a sudden... God's like, would you move to Toronto? And the suddenly of God comes in. And before you know it, I've sold all my possessions. I've resigned from my job. And I've moved to Toronto with no promise of anything I have today. Just my my heart leapt at the thought of living in a warehouse in revival culture. I mean, literally, I was, I was as happy as could be. And I jump on a plane and I go to Toronto. And the very next week I meet you. Yeah. It's like crazy, isn't it? Imagine if you hadn't said all those little yeses before. Oh, no, I don't want to. But but it gets me thinking, in the periods of time where you feel like nothing is moving, I want to encourage everybody, don't, don't resent the slow side of God. Yeah. I say slow in air quotes, you know, the Lord's neither fast nor slow, he's just, he's brilliant at everything he does. But, you know, fine wine takes a while to... What does wine do? Brew? No, that's beer. Mm-hmm. What does wine do? Ferment. I suppose it does, yeah. Fine wine takes a while to age. Yes. Same with cheese. Same with everything. Same with brilliant people. I, You know, I want to meet brilliant people. It's the result of years and years of hard work. Yeah. Not magic fairy dust. So, I don't know. I hope that's encouraging to somebody. I, I want to encourage you that God does move fast. God does move slow. Um, leave the fast parts up to him and be brilliant and diligent in the slow parts. Yeah, he's doing something, so hang on. All right, I have a listener's question for you. Hit me. I will do no such thing. Good good answer. I will tell you the question, however. Okay, tell me the question. This is from Joseph. Hi, Joseph. He said, I have a question about dream interpretation. I recently listened to Alan's messages on dreams, and I very much appreciate your thoughts on them, and specifically, if I can hopefully correctly paraphrase a point, that many people can interpret one dream many different ways. So my question is this. When you have a dream that you feel is from the Lord, do you ever seek outside counsel regarding its meaning, or do you solely trust that the Holy Spirit alone will reveal its meaning to you? Um, Joseph, we pretty much always bring it to other people and ask for interpretation. Uh, we have some people that, uh, we, you know, we have access to that have some, some gifts in that area, uh, but often we will run it by several different people, uh, and then just sort of see what the Holy Spirit lands on in terms of interpretation. Yeah, Scripture says we know in part, we prophesy in part, so that's why I like getting lots of parts of Revelation. I do want to address your your paraphrase. I don't think that I said that many people can interpret one dream many different ways. I mean, maybe I did. That's probably not the takeaway I, I wanted. I think Scripture's clear, do not interpretations belong to God. Um. I, I want to be clear, and uh, Scripture's very clear in that it says interpretations belong to God. If I'm asking lots of people, I'm asking the the gifts that God's put in them for their perspective. And like I said, you know, we know in part, we see in part. 
and I'm I'm trying to still what fits. I don't think that everybody can have their own interpretation, and you know, I'm not into pluralism. I think God's very deliberate in what He says. But yeah, as AJ says, anytime I have a dream, I write it down. I usually tell AJ. I run it by Jeff. There's again a bunch of people in my life who are brilliant at dream interpretation. I love the journey. I love. It's like collecting 900 Korok seeds. I do not get frustrated by my dreams. I share it, and I you know, pontificate about it, I pray about it, I process it, I I get lots of revelation from lots of people and take it back to the Lord and pray. So I hope that answers your question. I, but I love it. I, I love dreams and I'm fascinated by the content of mine and other people's. Good. Shall we wrap up? Is your throat going to last any much longer? Not much longer, no. All right. If you want tickets for the Source Conference that we announced last week, it is Grace Center's Conference is going to be happening in May, the week before the Memorial Day weekend. It is a conference all about living life in the presence of God. We're very excited about it. If you head over to gracecenter.us slash source, you can get tickets. If you pre-register for the conference, you will be given free MP3s of every session. So to our international listeners, those of you who think there's no way I can come to this conference, if you pre-register for the conference, you will be sent via email recordings of the whole conference to be able to listen to. And so that's a way that you can get access to all this revelation that is going to be dispensed at the conference. If you want the show notes for this week, uh, go to alanandaj.com slash 188. And then finally, AJ's book, Finding Father. We only have about 50 copies left in stock. We're not going to have more printed because we want to make some cosmetic changes to the book. Uh, that process takes, I don't know, a month, a couple of months, uh, while we send it to our printer, publisher, etc., etc., etc. But if you want a copy of the book before then, order now before we run out. Again, go to alanaj.com slash findingfather for orders of that book. If if you are wanting copies, know that we also sell them electronically as well at the Amazon store or the iBook store. You'll find them all from that page. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week. We pray you have an incredible week, whether you're in a fast season or a slow season with God. God bless you. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone 